0: Hello again, everybody. Thanks for checking into localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and this is You Do What? Now, it's a podcast that examines some non-traditional ways that you can make money, whether it's an interesting full-time gig or a side hustle, as it's often called. We're checking out the latter today as we speak with a professional in the world of putt-putt. Yes, mini-golf, depending on where you live, those miniature courses with some different hills and bounces for you. Joining the show to talk about that specific industry is Rick Baird, who is not only a pro, but a Putt-Putt Association Hall of Famer and one of only three people in the world to shoot a perfect game. Rick, thanks a lot for coming on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. Now, of course, I think people's first question would just be, how did you get into this industry? How did you get attracted to it? just maybe break it down a little bit for us, how you broke into the professional world of putt-putt.
1: When I was a little kid, uh, my family spent a lot of time down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We had a beach house down there and had a local miniature golf course there. And rather than spending my time laying out on the beach with the rest of the family, I was looking for something else to do. And the course down the street offered tournaments during the day each day. And I went down and started playing and found out I was pretty good at it. So (laughs) I kept going
0: back. So how did you know that you were good enough to actually start earning a bunch of money? I mean, was there an event that sort of sparked everything? Was there somebody who egged you on to do it? I mean, how did you get to that point where you thought, you know, I could do this on at least a semi-regular basis?
1: Well, as a kid there had a professional ranks that already started and they had a syndicated television show that came on okay. which some of the pros at that time were playing for money. And as I progressed and got a little bit better, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina and ended up living about five blocks away from where the puppet was in Charlotte. And I would spend my afternoons after school up there working. They let me cut the grass, pick up cigarette butts, fill up the drink machines, and in return, they let me play for free. So I got a lot of practice in.
0: Nice. I like it. So when we talk about sort of this path to, you know, from your early beginnings all the way to, as I mentioned, you being inducted into the Hall of Fame, can you give us an idea of what that has been like? I mean, are there a lot of local tournaments you play in? Do you travel? Give us an idea of what the professional ranks of putt-putt is like exactly.
1: When I first started in Charlotte, we had three different courses here, and we would play local tournaments during the week at night. Okay. As I progressed up through the ranks, I started in the beginning division and moved on up. At the end of the first summer, I was already into the advanced division, which was the top amateur division that there was. I played there for a few years until I graduated college, and then once I graduated from college, I turned pro and started traveling around the country playing in tournaments.
0: Now, I think I saw on uh, it was like a profile sheet of yours that it mentioned a sponsor. Is that, is that typically how it works for a professional, that you'll have some sort of sponsor to aid in some of the costs?
1: Some of the players do. At one point, the company that I worked for was sponsoring me. I've switched companies since then, and now I am my sponsor.
0: Oh, okay. All right. I was just curious about that because I'm sure, uh, I'm sure some of the areas, it gets a little high in cost when you're talking about travel and whatnot. If we're looking at it from a skill standpoint, and obviously, as you mentioned, you, you played all the time as with anything to try to master, you need to practice and work at it. But what sort of skills would you point to as saying, you know, if you don't have these, it's just not for you?
1: First thing you need to do is you need to have a very competitive nature because it's a very competitive type of event. We're all very competitive. We all hate to lose. And the one thing that will drive you into becoming better is when you're consistently getting beat by somebody, you definitely want to improve your game enough to where you can beat them and get better. Mm -hmm. And that competitive nature has driven me to put in the time and the effort to get better and to be able to perform in the tournament.
0: Along with that, you know, you talk about obviously trying to work at your craft. Take us into what you would do, maybe if you're practicing or working on something. I mean, are you experimenting with different types of shots, different angles? I mean, how do you really practice and improve? Because I can't imagine it's just it's just the same thing every day for you. I got to imagine there's something you can do differently to to help your cause.
1: Absolutely, you will definitely practice different strokes, how you grip the putter, the different amounts of pressure that you put in. Different styles of players, even different styles of golf balls make a difference in how the game is played. But the most important thing is you develop a stroke that you will put a certain spin on the ball. It will react a little bit different as it's rolling down the carpet or as it's coming off along the rails. You get a little different angle, a little different speed. Those types of things are what really makes you go from being a very good player to being one of the
0: top players. Sure. What about, you You mentioned, of course, the competitive side of it. You hear in traditional golf all the time about having the sort of a mental strength or a a certain mentality because there are difficulties to it, there's pressure. Do you see that as being as important on the mini golf course as opposed to the the larger courses? Or how would you relate the two in terms of a a mental strength?
1: I think it's even more important in our game than it would be on a regular golf course. Hmm. In our game, we can play a complete round in less than 30 minutes. Sure. On a golf course, if you hit a bad shot, you've got the time it takes you to go find the golf ball, and you have a few minutes to calm down. In our game, that's three or four more holes you've already hit. <laughs> if your game, is, If you're distracted a little bit by a bad shot, you have to get over it very quickly, or else it can lead into more bad shots pretty quick.
0: Okay. Let's look at the flip side of it. You, as I mentioned, are one of three people in the world to have a perfect game. So 18 holes, 18 holes in one. Clearly you didn't make any bad shots or maybe you did and there was a little bit of of luck involved. Take us a little bit through it. You know, when you started to believe it could happen, uh, what the atmosphere was like, just sort of walk us through at least the beginning portion of of that perfect game.
1: One of the things that we do in our game is you cannot be thinking about the last putt. You can only be thinking about the next putt. That's part of the middle game that you have to play. I was hitting the ball very well that day and got through the first 13 holes without hitting a bad putt. I got to the 14th hole, which is a little more challenging. And actually, I did hit a bad putt, but got a very good break. It was a <laughs> shot that I was actually trying to miss the hole, hit the back rail, and then come back in. But I hit the ball a little bit too easy and just happened to line up and just go straight in <laughs> without going past the hole and back in. Uh, at that point, it's when I realized that Hey, I've already made 14 in a row. The last four holes, I've actually got a chance to do something here that uh, I've never been able to do before and nobody had been able to do in since 1977.
0: Wow. And you know, again, some people think, oh, it's mini golf, whatever, but I don't care who you are or what you're doing. If you're one of that few of people that do it, I, I think it's amazing. And that's why I want to ask then about that final shot. I did see actually a video of it on YouTube. I'm guessing it was off someone's phone, most likely. Take us through that because as you mentioned, the mental side of it, you're lining up, you know, what's at stake. You only get one shot. It's not like, you know, maybe a pitcher in baseball where you have multiple opportunities to get a batter out. What's going through your mind before the shot? as it's rolling towards the hole, and then, you know, of course, what it's like afterwards.
1: The hardest hole on that course was the 17th hole. And once I had made it, the 18th hole presented a different set of challenges. On a normal round, it's not that much of a difficult hole. Mm -hmm. That day, it was very chilly. The wind was blowing. The situation of trying to shoot the perfect game, which none of us had ever seen before. And it just, the nervousness of trying to do something like that, just, it really got to me. The video that you see is after I've already addressed the ball once and backed off because of the nerves of me, <laughs> and also because everybody else that was playing in the tournament had stopped playing and come around to the end of the 18th hole to watch. Sure. So I had the pressure of everybody watching, plus the situation, plus my knees were shaking pretty bad, <laughs> both from the nerves and from the cold. So I had to draw on lots of years of practice and lots of years of mental preparedness to just walk it all out, and try to hit the shot that I needed to hit at that time. Actually, when I was over the ball and hitting the ball, I don't remember any of that, which for me is kind of unusual because I can pretty much tell you most every shot I hit in the tournament. I don't remember seeing the ball rolling down the fairway. I don't remember it until it was about 8 to 10 inches away from the hole. And at that point, I realized, hey, this has got a really good chance of going in. And then once it did, all heck but loose, everybody clapping, coming around, slapping me on the back. And thankfully, one of the guys actually got there in time to hold me up because at that point, my knees just completely gave away and I was about to fall down.
0: (laughs) That's pretty awesome. As I said, no matter what you're doing or who you are to have that experience, that's going to be pretty cool. Now, do you think... Early in your careers, you had had that opportunity uh, and maybe you're on the 18th. Do you think you'd have been able to handle the pressure? Because you talked about drawing off of experiences in the past and, and that had to have helped. Do you think that at any other point in your career that wouldn't have been able to, to happen that you may not have hit that shot?
1: Well, I started playing in 1972 and this happened in 2011. If you'd have asked me any time before, maybe two or three years before that, if I'd have been on the 18th hole, I would have folded under the pressure. But those last couple of years, I've had a lot of success playing, and I think I would have been able to handle the pressure after that.
0: How about any other moments that you recall from your career? You mentioned a long career, and obviously, I mean, the perfect game. How How can it be top? But are there any other moments or memories that you have that you would share with the listeners?
1: Yes, in 2007, I won the national championship in Houston, Texas, and I was four strokes down going into the last round. But I got on a good streak and just started making everything in sight. Got into what professional athletes or any athletes will call this, what you call the zone. I had absolute confidence that every ball I hit was going to go in the hole and it pretty much did. And I came from four strokes down to win by four strokes. And standing on the 18th hole there, knowing that I was probably going to win the national championship, which for us is the biggest tournament that you can possibly win. Mm-hmm. Getting that done just took a lot of pressure off of me for the rest of my career and knowing that, hey, I've already been through this one time. I've won the biggest tournament on the biggest stage in front of everybody and I can handle the pressure. That really helped me out when I came to playing
0: for the 18 also. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, actually. When uh, you're talking about winning the national championship there, Can you fill us in quickly on how that works to get to that point? Because I'm, I'm guessing it's not just anybody's invited. I mean, do you have to qualify in a certain way? How does it work to, to be able to participate in that?
1: That's the one beautiful thing about our sport is that it doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, male, female, five foot two, six foot nine, whatever size, shape or that you're in. If you can hit a ball straight, you can play in our game. Mm -hmm. So We have two different divisions. We have an amateur division for the players who are beginning to play and want to learn how to get better without having to play against the best players in the world. And then once you feel like you're competitive with that and you want to take the leap, you join the pro division and you play against them. Our national championship is open to anybody who's a member of our organization. So if you have the time and you want to test your skill against the best players in the world, come on out. We'll be glad to have you.
0: All right. And you're right. That is true. Anybody can play it. But of course, to get to the level you've been at, it takes a few years of practice, as you've mentioned to us. If you had to point to one or two things about professionally playing this game, putt-putt, mini golf, again, however you want to phrase it, what do you love the most about it? What have you really enjoyed the most?
1: Well, as I said in the beginning, I'm a very competitive person, so I love to be able to compete against other players. Even though they're all my friends, I want nothing more than to beat their brains out for that one day, and of course, they want the same thing against me. Today, I may get them. Tomorrow, they may get me. And over the course of the year, we're all going to have fun. We're all going to compare stories, but we all help each other out, I So... That's the fun part is these guys are my friends that I'm playing against. And if I beat them, I get to rub it in on them. If they beat me, they get to rub it in on me. We travel around the country as friends and meet up and get to share stories about life and family and work and everything else and have a good time.
0: Very cool, very cool. I'm sure some people are wondering out there in terms of on the financial side. Is this something that anybody could do as a full time career, or is it really just more so of something you do on the side? I mean, granted, you're still committed to it as as people can clearly hear from what you've talked about. But can it be a full time professional job? I guess
1: no, it can't be. There's not enough money in it. We do not have sponsors that provide a lot of money that would make it worthwhile. I sure do wish we had somebody who would do that, because there's a few of us who would love to do this for a full-time job. But we do travel all, every weekend playing in state and regional tournaments, and we get together a couple of times a year and have national tournaments all around the country to play. This year's national championship is in Bat- is in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and first place is $10,000. So oh. while that's not a job, that's also not a bad amount of money to win for a hobby.
0: Yeah, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start practicing today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come meet you down there and uh, I'll see if I can take you out.
1: <laughs> we would welcome you with open
0: arms. All right. Now for yourself, is there anything within the profession that you don't like or that you would change or that you would do differently? Uh, just anything out there that maybe people wouldn't understand is a big deal for you?
1: The only thing that we would like to see changed is probably to have more courses but in its earlier days, had a lot more courses that we could play at. Economy and things of that nature have struck some of the courses that we play. It's like the course here in Charlotte. The land, when it was originally built, the land became more valuable than what the course was making, so the owner sold the land. Hmm. That kind of thing has happened, but the game that we still play and the courses that are still in existence are all great places to play. It's a great family atmosphere, and we all love that.
0: Well, Rick, I mean, I definitely appreciate uh, you coming on and talking about this. And I think it's really cool to hear about whether, as I said, and it's not necessarily a full-time job, as you mentioned, but it's a passion, it's a commitment. And, and being a professional in anything, I think that's really cool. So I just want to give you the last opportunity here before we wrap up. Any advice you would give the listeners if they had interest in in really trying to hit the ground running with this, or maybe they think, hey, I'm pretty good if I practice as much as Rick, I could maybe make some money off of this. What would you What would be your advice for them?
1: If you're going to start out playing, go to your local course, find out what night they're having their tournaments on, ask the person behind the counter to point out one of the better players. They can help you around the course and showing you the preferred line to hit the ball. They can help you out with that, and it accelerates your learning curve tremendously. If you give me 20 or 30 minutes of practice with you, I can get you shooting par pretty quick. After that, it's just how much talent do you have? And we can bring that out of you. But all of the players love to share our game with other people, especially people coming in new. We would love to help out anybody who's interested in playing.
0: All right. Well, again, we definitely appreciate you coming on and talking about that. And unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap things up here on this episode of You Do What. We've been talking about the professional world of putt-putt with our expert guest, Hall of Famer Rick Baird. Rick Thanks one more time for sharing your experiences with us. It's been fun. Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it greatly. Of course, we also want to hear from you, the listeners, as well, to find out if there are any other jobs you'd like to learn about, traditional or not. Just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Thanks again for checking into LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.